Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Press Row. Jonah Siegel here on a sunny Seattle afternoon. Uh, it's afternoon. It's 12-12, actually. Um, unusually sunny here today, brisk. Just past the middle of the week, it's Thursday. It's the night of the dual town halls here in the States. Not sure what people are going to watch, seeing how they're on at the same time. And also a Major League Baseball game, I believe, is on at the same time. I am elated to have today's guest join me. I will tell you that I have, uh, I have tweeted and written numerous times that of all of the free agency moves, if you will, of all of the moves that have been made at Rogers Sportsnet since acquiring the NHL rights, in my humble opinion, uh, which not too many people care for, uh, he is the best acquisition that has been made to date. And there have been a lot of changes and a lot of acquisitions and a lot of departures, but he is now the, the new-ish or new once again. Yes, you can go home once again. He is Chris Cuthbert. Chris, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Thanks for that kind intro. I'm, I'm kind of uh, old news, though. I, I, I'm just a recirculated free agent back uh, after a 15-year absence, but uh, 20 years with Hockey Night before that. So uh, good to be back and good to be with you. It's uh, awesome to hear your voice. It's uh, great to have you on. Are you and your family keeping well in these most unusual times? Yeah, we're trying to. Uh, I was a little envious of that weather forecast because we've got uh, the other kind of Seattle, Vancouver weather going here today. Uh, but, uh, um, but all in all, everybody's uh, healthy and safe so far, and we'll try and keep it that way. And hopefully that's uh, the way it is on uh, on your coast as well. Yeah, well, as you said, Seattle, Vancouver is one and the same when it comes to climate. And we're kind of sitting here, it's like waiting for the hurricane. You know it's coming, it's just how bad is it gonna be and when's it gonna start? Uh, so the fact that the sun is out today is a very good sign for us. Um, let, let's start in, I'm not gonna say the beginning, but let, let's go back just for a bit because not much sure how many people know, but you're a Canadian, um, born and raised in Canada. Um, been in the business for how long now? Uh, just past 40 years now. I, I started with, uh, well, I, I, I started uh, in, in university in uh, 1978, but they've been paying me since uh, the fall of 1979. So uh, uh, I've managed to, not sure how many decades that is now, but I snuck into the 70s uh, <laughs> to, to, to extend the streak a little bit. But uh, uh, some people might say too long, but, uh, I feel like I'm finally starting to figure it out. And you, um, I think most of us probably heard you on a global scale for the first time, early to mid 1980s, uh, when you were doing the Western games for hockey night in Canada, does that sound about right? Right. I, I started with hockey night in Canada in 1984. A uh, career goal to wear the powder blue jacket of, of Hockey Night in Canada. So, uh, yes, in 84, uh, we moved to Edmonton. And uh, I picked my spots pretty well because uh, the Oilers uh, were just coming off their first Stanley Cup. And uh, um, I was there for four of uh, the, the five that they won. 
and uh, and in 1989, the Calgary Flames won as well. So it was a it was definitely a hot spot, Alberta, at that point in time, and it's it's starting to warm up again. But uh, uh, nothing quite like the 80s for for hockey in Alberta, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, there was there was some guy I've heard of before that played out there in that era. I think he was pretty good, right? He he wasn't bad. You know, the interesting story for me on 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 that guy, number 99, Wayne Gretzky, was uh, my hometown's Brampton, Ontario. And, and back in the 60s and 70s, the biggest novice hockey tournament for age 9 and 10-year-olds was uh, in my hometown. It was a week-long tournament. And uh, I watched Wayne Gretzky play not as a 9 and 10-year-old exclusively, but I watched him play as a six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 year old in that tournament. And he would fill the rink every time that the Brantford team played. And so uh, I guess I got a, I got a little uh, sneak preview of history uh, long before I, I hooked up with him in Edmonton. I remember saving a program from one of those tournaments. And uh, early on when I was in Edmonton, I pulled out the program and showed it to him. And he said, uh, definitely, one of my favorite tournaments and probably the only one that was bigger for him as a kid would have been the, uh, uh, the Quebec peewee tournament, which is, uh, it's kind of like little league baseball's Williamsport, but, uh, um, but yeah, special to watch him in the eighties and, uh, kind of neat that I had that little, uh, exclusive preview way back when. And how did you get your start? Like, you're talking into a radio in, in the mirror. Like, how, did, how does Chris Cuthbert start his broad? Like, how do we get so lucky that we all get to hear the voice as regularly as we do? Well, I got lucky. I, uh, I was at Queen's University in Kingston. And, um, you know, I, I went intending to be a, a, a teacher, a history teacher. They weren't hiring many teachers. They certainly weren't hiring history teachers. And uh, at the same time, always in the back of my mind was this thought, man, that would be the dream job to be a sportscaster. And I was lucky enough at, at Queens, they had their own radio station, student run. Uh, there was no broadcast course, but uh, I got involved uh, with the radio station and they, uh, they did live play-by-play -play of the football team, which ended up winning the national championship that year. And, uh, and then hockey and the hockey team was coached by, a former Boston Bruin, Freddie O'Donnell, who uh, who welcomed the broadcast uh, kids in with open arms and put us on the bus with the team. And uh, so all of a sudden I had this great experience and I had some demo tapes and I had a, uh, a friend uh, who was going to another school who was involved in their radio station and put a ad in a trade paper looking for a job. And he got a response from Saskatchewan and um, and they wanted him to send his play-by-play -play tapes, and he didn't have any because that school hadn't done any play-by-play -play announcing. So he said, uh, if you're interested, uh, he said, why don't you uh, take him up on the offer? So uh, I, uh, I, sent, uh, I sent the tape out, followed up with a few calls in desperation, begging for the job, and I ended up being the voice of the Yorkton Terriers of the Saskatchewan Junior League. Uh, which is uh, pretty humble and modest beginnings. Uh, but I will say I, I, I had pretty good timing there as well, because uh, that year, uh, well, there was a 15 year old on our team uh, by the name of Ken Danico, who saddled up to me 
uh, on the bus for the first road trip and introduced himself and said, I'm going to play in the NHL. And he was right. His banner now hangs uh, in, uh, in the rock in, in New Jersey um, as uh, one of the all-time New Jersey Devils. Al McKinnis played for the Regina Pat Blues. Chris Chelios was uh, a Moose Jaw Canuck. Uh, Mark Habscheid was an NHLer from Saskatoon. Barry Trotz was back and forth with the Regina team. And uh, there's a pretty good list of, uh, of junior players that went on to the NHL from, uh, from the graduating class of 1979-80. <laughs> it, it's funny how things work out, isn't it, Chris? Um, I'm not going to say what if it didn't happen, but you were the benefactor of some electrical work in Montreal, I believe it was, in, uh, I think it was 88. If That's true. That's true. It was, uh, one of my, were, my, what? I think you were in, in New Jersey or Washington or covering a, a Devils Capitals game when uh, the Montreal Forum was the benefactor or victim of some electrical outages. And yes, I, I, I had been sent to, uh, to Washington, to the CAP Center, to basically do updates during the intermissions, to call a few minutes of the play uh, during the intermission. So, so maybe seven, eight minutes of play-by-play -play, uh, during the first and second intermissions of the... Uh, it, it's hard to believe back in, in, in the 80s, not all the playoff games were televised uh, nationally. Uh, that was before uh, TSN and Sportsnet in Canada. And uh, I'm not sure ESPN had the hockey rights in 1988 either. Um, I could be, I could stand corrected on that, but so I, they sent me to Washington and uh, midway through the first period, uh, they, they threw it to me and they said, start calling the game. And I, <laughs> I thought they were in the intermission in Montreal. Um, and uh, so I did five, six, seven minutes of play by play. And we went to commercial and I said, well, is that, is that it? And they said, no, no, they're coming back. Just keep going. So uh, I kept going for two and a half hours. Uh, uh, I did the play-by-play, uh, -play, the color, and I did the intermission uh, hosting and interviews uh, because, as you mentioned, the power went out right across Quebec. It was a major power outage. And so the game, actually the game went on, which was confusing to me because I was not uh, given the details of what was happening. I guess they thought I should just be worried about calling the game. Um, but once in a while, they give me scores from the Montreal Boston game. And I'm thinking, boy, the fans must hate me because the game they want to watch is, uh, going on. And for some reason they're, they're stuck listening to me and New Jersey and the Washington capitals. And, uh, uh, what I found out later was they, they were operating at the forum on a generator. Um, but the, they didn't have enough power to get it from the forum to the, uh, TV transmitters to get it across the country. So yes, two and a half hours was uh, when I left the rink with my producer that night, I, I asked him as we left the building at the cap center, I said, did our careers end tonight? And he didn't answer me. So I wasn't sure if that was a, a bad sign, but uh, as it turned out, it uh, kind of was a launching pad for me to get more work as a play-by-play -play guy, because uh, to that point, I, I did a little play-by-play -play for Hockey Night in Canada, but I was essentially their their western uh, host for for most of the games 
well, it, it ended all right. It, it ended in a, a Gemini, a Gemini award for you. As a Actually, I was nominated for that one. I didn't win and I, I've been fortunate enough to win a few and I'm not sure I deserve one more than that first night, but I had to wait my turn and that's okay. Well, well, here we are 32 years later and um, suddenly you were, you were in a position to call games from the arena, but there were no fans. How different was that? Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was different and nobody wished that that would be the case. And, and you, it, I, I remember in prior to game seven of the Canuck uh, Vegas series, it would have been game seven in Vegas and they were showing uh, on the, on the big screen, they, they showed the crowd in Vegas from the playoffs the year before. And it was a real stark reminder of what we were missing because the atmosphere in the building for any playoff game, but particularly game seven would have been amazing. Um, with that said, it was a unique situation. We all understand why. And uh, man, it was a tremendous experience to uh, be able to call 45 games there um, in, in about the same number of days and um, kind of jump back into the, the deep end of the pool with hockey night in Canada. And, and uh, it was just a great experience. And uh, uh, we did miss the fans, but uh, we got to, we got to get a Stanley cup and a, a full playoff uh, in, which was uh, I think paramount. And uh, it was a terrific experience for me. And uh, the, the guys at EA sports who they hired to use as um to enhance the atmosphere with some crowd noise had that pumping in my headset. And, uh, and I'd often forget to be honest with you that uh, there wasn't a crowd there because even once in a while, something would happen behind the play, but the guy running that audio would get the fan reaction. And I'd actually turn as if fans in the building had reacted to the play. So uh, it, it um, I, I don't know how all fans reacted to it, but uh I think it helped enhance the atmosphere a little bit, and it certainly did for uh, for me as a play-by-play -play guy. And the atmosphere in my headset, and uh, it helped uh, it helped me convey the energy that I was I like to get across at a game. Although, uh, make no mistake, nothing like uh, being in a in a full supercharged playoff building. So you stole one of my questions. I'm curious what it would have been like to call the game if you didn't have the crowd in your ear. I mean, when you call a game now, sorry, when you, when you call a regular game, can you hear in your headset the, the audience noise if it is happening, if you will? Oh yeah. In fact, I, I like to use that crowd as, as almost a third member of the broadcast. I mean, when it's, when it's going off or when it's reacted to, a big hit or a, a big play or a close call or a great save. Uh, you know, you, you want that crowd energy to, you want to lay out for that. And, and there wasn't certainly that in, uh, in Edmonton and the Edmonton hub. Um, but to, to answer your question, uh, we switched over for the final series. We went from a host broadcast to our own uh, produced broadcast and it, had some subtle differences 
And as we got set up to do it slightly differently uh, for the last round, the audio was changed for at least if the first few minutes of the first game. And I remember I noticed that something was missing in the first couple of minutes of the game. And when we went to our first commercial, I said, Are you guys pumping the EA Sports audio into my headset? And, and the audio guy who <laughs> hadn't been doing it before said, oh, I, I forgot. And he hit a button and, and then it felt natural again. It felt real again. But I actually had five minutes without it and I missed it. So uh, I, I, I do know that? it made a difference. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. Hmm. So you, uh, you go to hockey night, you do the, you do the, you do the game from afar and you then start doing, you, know, you became the man at CBC, right? Like you're doing Olympics, you're doing figure skating, you're doing CFL and of course hockey. Um, you're working alongside or, or, or ne next to Don Whitman and eventually start doing gray cups and, and riding high till about, I guess it's 2004, 2005. I'm going to add something to you just because you're in Seattle. I also did some Blue Jays baseball oh. uh, in the summer. And my first ever game was at the Kingdom, which was kind of cool for me. It was uh, uh, a memorable night. So, uh, uh, but yes, I, I got a chance to do a lot of things at, uh, at CBC. And then the proverbial wheels fell off the bus, so to speak. Um, many people thought that and maybe you won't talk about it, but I'm going to ask anyways. Uh, many people thought that it was your strong support for Hockey Day in Canada and um, management or Nancy Lee's decision to exit that that kind of led to your departure from CBC. Is that at all accurate? I, I will call it, uh, and I, I'm... Uh, contractually not allowed to discuss it. I'll just say uh, we had personality differences. So uh, uh, that's about as much as I can say. And uh, it, it is hard to believe that that was 15 years ago. So then you, then you join the other company. Uh, you go and join TSN, um, you know, to the delight of all of us, we still got to enjoy um, your voice again, doing, doing NHL and, and doing also some, some football as well. I was very fortunate uh, because shortly, I mean, a, a year, I guess a year or two after, uh, we found out we'd become the exclusive uh, rights holders to the Canadian Football League. So all of a sudden I was going from 10, 15 games at CBC calling uh, the Canadian Football League to 40 games a year and uh and every gray cup uh so uh yeah it was uh i guess the timing of the move was it certainly was not my decision but uh it, it was opportune to, to move over at the time if if i wanted to continue to do both and i certainly did and at the time tsn also had uh, national uh nhl rights as well including playoffs so lots of great playoff series over the years uh uh, with the TSN, but that changed again uh, uh, six years ago when when Sportsnet ended up with the exclusive rights for the National Hockey League, and and all we had um, at TSN was uh, a share of the 
midweek rights of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I wasn't involved with Winnipeg, but they did have the midweek Winnipeg Jet games, Montreal games, which I wasn't involved with, but also um, shared in the Ottawa Senators midweek rights. So it went from uh, uh, national rights and playoffs to midweek games and no playoffs, which opened the door to going to NBC as well. So uh, um, again, a, a lot of luck has followed me along the road. And, uh, and uh, because of all that, uh, the dominoes fell to a point where uh, I had the opportunity to also work for NBC, which was uh, a career highlight to, for me to be sure. And that included making history calling the first game ever from ice level with Glenn Healy covering the Sabres Rangers game at HBC. What was that like? It was cool. It was something I wanted to do. I, I have been, I, I, I have to uh, amend your, your historic footnote because uh, um, the, over the years we had seen uh, Soviet hockey announcers calling it from around the bench area. And I was informed afterwards uh, that Fred Cusick one night had to come down to ice level to call a game. It wasn't intended that way, but I think he finished up a broadcast for some technical reasons. And I'm, I'm not aware of those, but the great Bruin announcer apparently uh, called a game at ice level. I, I, uh, I like to be as close to the ice as possible. And there are some rinks where, you are you feel like you're in a different area code and so I, I i knew tsn loved the idea of having their analysts between the benches and i i i planted the seed that i'd like to at least try it and um i probably did a dozen games uh between the benches in a in, in a variety of rinks i enjoyed it uh, i think my time was coming though and uh sooner or later i almost got hit the first night I think Healy took one off the shoulder to protect me. So that's one of the few saves Glenn's made in his career. Um, but, uh, uh, but I knew sooner or later I might start a game down there, but might not finish it. So, uh, and I think everybody's seen the Pierre Maguire video from a couple of years ago, that slow motion shot, which is unbelievable. And uh, every time I think about how cool it would be to be back down there, I, I, I just have to look at that video and it would convince me otherwise, but uh, it was a great perspective for a lot of reasons. Um, I missed a couple of things because of the block sight lines down there, but I saw a lot more than I might've seen up top as well. So uh, I, I, I'm glad I did it. Um, I'm not sure it's the play-by-play -play spot of the future, but, uh, um, but if, I guess if you could assure me I wasn't going to take one in the teeth, I, I might try it again. So we all have, mem well, most of us, nearly all of us have memories of moments that stick with us forever. Today is the 26th anniversary of the release of Shawshank Redemption, my favorite movie of all time. I can tell you exactly where I was at the theater I watched it in because it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, I think of, of Joe Montana's pass to Clark in the end zone. Um, to me as a Leaf fan, Joe Bowen calling Nikolai Borshevsky's overtime winning goal, screaming into the, the drunk sitting in front of the press box's ear. Uh, we all have moments. I mean, clearly, if you're Canadian, 
the, the Joe Carter home run. Um, now the the Kawhi Leonard shot. Uh, we all we all have moments. Um, I would say for a lot of Canadians who don't always agree on a lot, your voice is, is the hockey moment that many now cling to. Um, my my son included. And when you when 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 you hear these words, I'm just curious what it means to you. Uh, Pavalski shot that saved by Luongo. Niedermeyer regroups. Crosby over the line. Sidney Crosby can't bust in. Up with it again. He's on the ice with the Ginla. Crosby scores. Sidney Crosby, the golden goal, and Canada has a once-in-a-lifetime Olympic gold. Followed by those gold. These golden games have their crowning moment. Amazing. Highlight of my career. Highlight of my career for sure. I'll, I'll back up a little. I'll go back to Yorkton, Saskatchewan. In, in 1980, I was in a $160 a month uh, apartment above a Chinese food restaurant watching on a black and white portable, as Al Michaels called the Do You Believe in Miracles? And uh, in 2010, the night before the Crosby goal, the day before, I met Al with Doc Emmerich and we chatted a bit about that uh, indelible moment. And, and I kind of off the cuff mentioned, I said, we will never have a moment like you had. I just hope we have a good memory tomorrow. And uh, man, did we ever get that and, and a little bit more. So for, for Canadians of my age, Paul Henderson's goal in Moscow game eight in 1972 uh, will always resonate the loudest. But uh, moments after that goal call, there was some discussion of, is this the biggest goal in Canadian hockey history? And, and I kind of winced thinking, don't go there. It can't compare with Paul Henderson. But for a generation of fans, it, it, it is their Henderson goal. And uh, it is a real privilege and honor to, uh, uh, to be linked, in it, linked with it in a, in a small way. So... I'm going to ask a question that I don't know the answer to. Uh, the only one in my lifetime that I can think of that comes anywhere close, don't shoot me if I'm wrong, is the 87 or 88 Canada Cup. Or is it the World Cup? Yeah, uh, uh, rendez the Rendezvous Series 1987. Uh, uh, no, I don't know. It wasn't Rendezvous. It was the Canada Cup 87 and, uh, and uh, Gretzky to Lemieux for... Uh, the win in, in what was a best of three and all three games were, were six to five. It was and that Canada cup. Yes. 1987. And that, that for some Canadians, it was the, uh, was the best hockey uh, we've ever seen. And again, three, six, five games. So it was, uh, it was a white knuckle ride for sure. That uh, final series between uh, the Soviets and team Canada and, and he, the great Dan Kelly, who was my hero. Uh, with the call of the goal and uh, and many reflected on this because he passed away uh, while the uh, while the Stanley Cup playoffs were on in the hubs this year but Dale Howarchuk was on the ice yes. won the face off and uh, was uh, was with Gretzky Lemieux Larry Murphy and I'm not sure who I'm missing here for uh, um, uh, on the ice for the winning goal it was amazing so to me like those are the two goals uh, as I said, I, I have the Boroshevsky goal, the Gilmore goal uh, behind Cujo 
But to me, it, it's it's your call and Dan Kelly, the 87, because unfortunately my team has not been very good my entire lifetime. Um, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back on just one other thing, because you, you mentioned the Pavelski shot stopped by Luongo. Uh, shortly after that tournament, in fact, it was the last the last time I called a Leaf game that season in the tw- in the 2009-10 season, I had gone in to visit Ron Wilson, who was the coach of Team USA and coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And after I'd got my little Leaf preview for the game we were doing that night, uh, uh, and it was our last game of the broadcast of the season, he said, uh, he kind of made reference to, you want to talk about the other game? And I, sure, let's talk about it. And, and uh uh, one of the things he mentioned was his sight line of the Pavelski shot. He was sure it was going in. And he said, had Luongo reacted as he usually did by trying to lift the glove hand, it would have been over his, it would have gone, it would have gone in the net, but he kind of shrugged at it and shouldered it and made the, what turned out to be an unorthodox save, but an enormous save that, uh, was was set up the winning goal for Canada. So uh, I'll, I'll never forget that because my perspective on Pavelski's shot, I, I couldn't tell from that side of the ice how good an opportunity that was. And I was kind of uh, stunned by hearing, hearing Wilson say that the Team USA bench was pretty sure that puck was going in until Luongo shrugged it away. So one last question on this topic, then we'll move on. So it goes into intermission invariably you go to take a break to grab a glass of water, go to the bathroom, what have you. Are you thinking in your mind about the call? Like somebody's going to score or it's God help us. It's going to go to a shootout, but hopefully someone's going to score. You're I can't imagine. And I won't insult you to suggest that you had practiced the, these golden games have their crowning moment, but had you thought about it? I had not thought about the golden goal at all. In fact, my main concern, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, my main concern in the intermission was staying as alert as possible. This is the biggest game of my life, and (laughs) I had not slept the night before. Um, And it was a noon game, so it was an early game. Uh, There was, and now all of a sudden, all that energy had been expended, and you got to you got to maintain that high level through an intermission and, and take it into the overtime. And so I was kind of playing mental games to stay alert. I, I actually did a radio interview, which normally I wouldn't have done, but I, I did to kind of keep, keep uh, my attention level in the game. And as they came back out on the ice for overtime, I was still kind of rolling some things through my head. And I thought to myself, you know, if this is soccer, the next goal would be the golden goal and the little light bulb went on and I went, wow, I like that. I think I'll use that. And, uh, and uh, so for whatever reason, and I did think a lot about what you might say and what the moment would mean. And for whatever reason, I never thought about overtime, which is strange. Um, and, and the overtime rules changed throughout the tournament and that was another thing Ron Wilson mentioned. They weren't sure what exactly the overtime uh, was in the gold medal game because it was different from other parts of the tournament, uh, which had shootouts and whatever. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, that's how the golden goal came out. And, uh, 
and, and there was such a strong positive reaction to it. I, I was embarrassed because people kind of gave me a lot of credit about, wow, that was the perfect thing to say. And, but the golden goal, a golden goal is not an uncommon term. It's certainly not my term, but uh, it, it was uh, the right term at the right time. Yeah, it was more the, um, it's these golden games have their crowning moment. That, that to me was the precursor to touch them all, Joe. Well, it was the last, it was the last event of what had been a tremendously successful Olympic games for Canada, the most successful games Canadians have ever had. And it was on Canadian soil, but it wouldn't have, would not have been the same had Team Canada lost that game on the final day in overtime. It would not, it be, it, it, that was the cherry on top. And, uh, and uh, it was the crowning moment of, of the games. And uh, the, um, the other part that I, I, had, I had said the once in a lifetime was Scott Niedermeyer had, had mentioned that uh, to me a few weeks before the tournament when I was talking to him in Anaheim. Uh, and he kind of looked ahead and said, man, to, to win an Olympic gold and, and for him in his home province as well, he said, that's a, that's a once in a lifetime. And I kind of went, yeah, that's, I like that too. So, and it was uh, uh, the first time ever Team Canada had won a, an Olympic gold in hockey on home ice. And uh, who knows when the next time that will happen. Well, as I said, we, we all have moments some of them are positive, um, some of them not so much. Uh, this one is a defining moment for many and will continue, dare I say forever, with, with your voice attached to it. Um, I'm gonna let you take a breath, pay some bills as they say. Um, as you know, football's back, CFL not, but the NFL is, at least it is right now. I mean, they're canceling games all over the place, but there is still time to get your bets in on, on all the action, uh, you can also go to an online casino. Tons of election prop bets as well. Let's avoid the politics if we can, but you can go, to, uh, go right ahead and go to betonline.ag today. That's betonline.ag. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports experts. Now, Chris, you are lucky. We have a new sponsor of the show. And it is a company that is near and dear to my heart because when I lived in the GTA, I used it all the time. Uh, you may be my, like me, and that is lazy, especially when it comes to matters around the house, be it things that you need to do all the time or unexpected emergencies. I use these guys for everything. It is Jiffy on demand. It could not be easier than Jiffy. We all have cell phones. Some of us have multiple personal and otherwise. Um, Jiffy has an app, enter your address, your payment, tell it what you want to do. Does literally does not get easier than that. Their team of experts are out quickly, efficiently, and professionally. Best part, you deal with Jiffy. You don't really have to deal with the super provider. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, it's fall. We know what that means. Time to get done around the house. Eve's cleaning, always high on my list. It's a pain in the butt to do it finding a pro, agreeing on a price, hoping they come. That's always the hardest part for me, getting them to come out. Jiffy makes it really, really easy. It's easy. I don't know how. I hadn't heard of it sooner. 
uh, just jump on the app, you get to use it. My favorite part, the pricing is preset. So before they come out to the house, you know what you're getting. And because of you, Chris Cuthbert, we have a special deal for listeners today. Download the Jiffy app or go to jiffyondemand.com and use Jiffy code SAVE. That's S-A-V-E for 25 bucks off your first job. Trust me, you're going to love it. We do all kinds of ads. You hear ads all the time. I am guaranteeing you, you will be happy and delighted if you go to jiffyondemand.com. Use the code for 25 bucks off your first job. You will use them again. I've used them to build IKEA furniture. I've built them. I've used them to clean my barbecue. Yes, I once had ants and bees. They clean that. Dealt with a clogged uh, drain. They're awesome. So highly recommend Jiffy on Demand. Use the code SAVE for $25. I think I can hear Chris actually writing that down as we speak. So Jody, uh, you, good scouting report because you know I couldn't do any of that stuff myself. So well done, Jody. <laughs> So, so now, now, now you're going to please someone because you have a method to get all of the chores around the house done. And uh, I've got your way to save 25 bucks. Perfect. So, you know, let, let's fast forward um, to this past June when, as I said, I, I fundamentally believe that uh, Rogers made their biggest acquisition uh, with all due respect to anybody else since acquiring the rights and that is putting in place a proper play-by-play voice to do Toronto Maple Leaf games. How'd that come about? Well, I, I was sitting home during this pandemic and, and watching all kinds of games from the past. And many of them I'd, I'd end up, I'd, I'd be watching games on Sportsnet that I called back in the eighties and nineties. And, uh, brought back some great memories. And, and I, again, I, the highlight of the year is often calling playoff games of of any kind. Unfortunately in football, I only got to call three playoff games a year, but I get to call two or three playoff rounds in hockey until we lost the rights. And uh, I missed it. I, I, as I mentioned, I did get a chance to, to do NBC games and it, uh, it, it really helped fill the void. It, it was special to do. Um, their contract was coming due. Um, TSN couldn't get involved in, in Stanley cup playoffs for another six years. And, um, and my contract was coming up. So while the contract was up, I kind of decided maybe, maybe there's a chance that uh, there is an opening over there and there would, might be interest. And we, we'd had some discussions a couple of years earlier, but uh, um, we, I wasn't able to move at the time, but, uh, um, but this time there was an opportunity and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't wait six more years on the chance that TSN might get the rights back when I had this opportunity to go now at my age and, uh, um, and, and kind of fulfill a goal of uh, going full circle and, and having a chance to call my first Stanley Cup finals uh, eventually. And uh, that's part of the deal down the line. It might not happen uh, next year, but uh, sometime in a four-year deal, uh, I, um, I hope to call a Stanley Cup final. And uh, that's probably the one thing left on, on my little to-do list or bucket list uh, in, in this business and, and uh, 
and I'm, I'm grateful for the folks at Sportsnet that uh, they give me that opportunity. So can you share with us what your duties will be assuming things get back to normal? Let's say they get back to, I, I don't believe it, but let's say somehow they start January 1 with a regular season. Do you have any idea what games you'll be calling? I, I actually don't. Uh, and that's, that's cool. I, I'm going to do leap midweek games. Uh, but on Saturday nights on Hockey Night in Canada, it might be all out west. It might be half and half. Uh, uh, I hope I, I get a little bit of everything because uh, um, it, was, it's, it was great to, uh, to call games involving Connor McDavid in the playoffs. It was great to be involved with a Vancouver run that uh, got that whole province going. It'll be amazing to... Uh, be at the Bell Center on a Saturday night to call a, a Montreal Canadiens game again. Um, any combination of uh, Saturday night games, as for whatever reason, I guess it's cultural in Canada. Uh, uh, there's something special about Saturday night hockey, and uh, and uh, it just feels a little bit different. Uh, as a broadcaster, uh, you hear players talk about it as well. And uh, it's, it's destination uh, or appointment viewing on, on Saturday night in Canada for, for so many fans across the country. And it's great to be a part of it again. Well, I grew up on Bob Cole and, and, Harry, and Bob and Harry and then Joe Bowen and a long line of other people that Joe worked with. Um, and then you and... Uh, I will say that in my humble opinion, you are back where you belong. And I think Leaf fans are finally going to get what they deserve. And I think that is a good thing. Let me, let me ask you one, one last, a couple of last questions. You've worked with some pretty big names. Um, you know, Cami Granado, Darren Pang. Um, you mentioned Glenn Healy. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving out a gazillion of them. Worked with uh, Louis DeBrusque in the last playoffs, yeah. Ray Ferraro. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you too, Susan Sarandon was one of my time. Yeah. She was between the benches for uh -huh. one of our NBC games. So I always had her, but I've I've had over 60 different uh, color commentators. Uh, John Garrett, Greg Millen, uh, the great Dick Irvin. Uh, there's a fellow on Twitter, I think it's called Unnecessary Sports Research, and I was never smart enough to keep track of all my games, but he keeps track of everybody's games. And I think there was a chart that he put out uh, of combinations and uh, you know, Bob and Harry are legendary. Uh, Jim Houston and Craig Simpson have been together for such a long time. Uh, Gord Miller and Pierre Maguire have done so many games together. I'm the one guy on that list who I think has done over a hundred games with, I think five different color commentators at a, at a national level. So uh, it's been a little bit different for me than, than others, but uh, I've enjoyed working with, uh, with uh, that variety of people. And I've been lucky enough to, uh, to sit in the booth with Harry Neal. Uh, I've sat in coach's corner with Don Cherry. I was with Howie Meeker uh, in intermissions. Uh, so uh uh, I've, I've been able to tick off a lot of boxes and, and work with some great people. And you hope that, uh, uh some of that rubs off, uh, when you 
brush up against those uh, quality people. And in the States, uh, uh, Brian Boucher and Eddie Olchek and Mike Milbury. And uh, uh, if I didn't say Brian Boucher, I better say it. But uh, uh, and uh, uh, A.J. Malesko has, uh, has been a, a tremendous to work with. And uh, the list goes on. Okay, so let's say that somehow in the next couple of seasons, the Maple Leafs make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's going to replace your favorite 1991 Flames-Oilers series. You're in the booth. It's game seven. You can pick anybody. Who do you want in the booth with you? Oh, geez. I, you're getting me into trouble now. No. Um, you can I, only have to pick. You can only pick. You can pick two people. You're gonna have a, a three-person booth. You can pick anyone you want to be in the booth with you to call Game Seven, yeah. Maple Leafs. I don't care. Blackhawks. Finals. Well, I'll cheat here. That's fine. Because I. I'm giving it two you know, spots. Uh, there's there's so many great people that uh, I'm gonna cheat, and you're not gonna like the answer, but it's the best one I can give you. How about if I take uh, Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr? That would be pretty cool. Or Scotty Bowman, but uh, who I also worked with in a broadcast. But I, I'm not going to play favorites with uh, because I'm so really privileged with all these guys and and women that I've worked with that uh, I, I I I'd hate to I'd hate to answer that because uh, uh, I think that uh, I think that one of the jo- the, the goals is that as soon as you are put together with somebody to go on the air, uh, it's your, it's your duty to, to, to come together and create some kind of chemistry that makes the two of you to better together, better than the individuals that go into the booth. And I've had that with uh, Ray Ferraro and Glenn Suter in football um, and Dick Irvin and, and John Garrett and Greg Millen and Glenn Healy. And, um, and, and, and I found it almost immediately with Louis DeBrusque. And uh, um, so whoever they want to put with me, that's, that's the goal. And if it's as good as it's been with those people in the past, then uh, I'm all for it. Well, using- How do you work- like that for dodging? Yeah, the, the, the problem is, we, in my opinion, I, one, I appreciate the position I put you in. Two, not all great former athletes or coaches make great commentators. Um, but uh, having you here join us today has been our privilege. It is great to hear your voice. As I said, as a Leaf fan and as a hockey fan, I hope we get through this Corona thing. The rumor is hot as of yesterday. I'm sure you've heard it that they're planning on a Canadian only division because of border complications due to the, the pandemic, whatever it is, because that would be unbelievable. You'd be doing a, hopefully a lot of Leaf Canadian games, uh, whatever, let the games get going soon. Let everybody be safe and healthy and uh, hope we can count on you to come back once regular games start again. I appreciate that. Uh, you stay well as, as well. And, uh, 
I'll tell you what, I've got to, uh, you know, I can't wait for that uh, opening night in Seattle. I'd, I'd love to be there. I have a feeling that uh, my uh, my Western counterpart, Mr. Houston's probably uh, a little <laughs> closer, so it makes more sense for him to be there. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, my first visit to Seattle as a, as a hockey broadcaster, and, uh, and it's been fun uh, uh, chatting with you. And I'll take that old Canadian division because right now I – I'd have a pretty hard time choosing between uh, six of the seven teams on which one of them would be the best. I, I think you could make a pretty strong case for everybody but Ottawa. And in two or three years, Ottawa is probably in that discussion too. So uh, it's, uh, there's some fun hockey ahead. Let's hope they can drop the puck as soon as possible. Well, if not sooner, a year from now, we will, we will enjoy an adult beverage when you come to Seattle in and around your first tracking game. Let's, uh, let's Thanks, count. Jonah. All right. I, I, well. I'll hold you to that. Perfect. Thank you. All righty. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.